Amen. What a powerful reminder this morning. I am glad you are here because he is here. And if he is here, then he has something to say to us. Amen. And we put ourselves in the posture to listen to him, whatever he has to say. So uh, within the last years here in this region, a lot of folks have moved to Texas that are not originally from Texas. And we've seen a lot of that here, even at Vertical. So just curious, if, if you've moved to Texas within the last five years, would you mind raising your hand just so we can see who's in the room? See, welcome. Welcome to Texas. We're glad you're here. Yeah. And uh, Texas, yeah, it's okay to welcome these folks to Texas. Yeah, we're glad they're here. And the, the thing about Texas is it's a big state, obviously, and uh, it has a lot of towns. In fact, there are 1,200 recognize, recognized municipalities in Texas, whether they're big cities or small towns or even just small villages. And they all have a name and they all have some very interesting names. I want to show you just a few very unusual named cities in Texas. For example, maybe you've heard some of these, maybe you have not. Have you ever heard of this first city? Frognot. Anybody ever, hey, you've been to Frognot? You've heard of it? Awesome, it's crazy. I did a little reading on it. This said, supposedly the story comes from the fact that the kids in the school that they had there kept bringing frogs to class, and the teacher said, that's it, no more frogs in class. And so they became frog knot. It's crazy. I don't know if that's really what it is or not, but that's what you find on the internet at least. And then how about this town, Cut and Shoot? Anybody ever been to Cut and Shoot? Yeah, some people have been to Cut and Shoot. Another crazy story behind the scenes there is that there was a town squabble. No one knows if it was at the courthouse, if it was in the church house. Whatever it was, there was a young boy who became upset about the situation, and he said, I'm going to cut out of here and shoot through those bushes and cut and shoot. I don't know if that's what it is or not. And then how about this one? Last Buddy. Anybody ever been to Last Buddy? It's up in the Panhandle, uh, named for two men who uh, were founders of the town, Luther Laz Green and Andrew Buddy Shirley, Laz Buddy. And then, again, they're all so bizarre and odd, but how about this one? How about a city named Nameless? That's crazy. They were, again, they come out of conflict. They couldn't find a name for the town. And, and so they said, well, fine, let's just call it Nameless and see what happens. And so they named the city Nameless. And that stuck. And so can you imagine being from any of these towns, having that as your identity, saying, yeah, I'm from a frog knot. I'm from Nameless. Can you imagine how many times they must have put that on an application, put that on some piece of paper, wrote that on a letter, and someone said, what? You're from where? How'd you get that name? And having to answer that all the time, I just wonder if sometimes along the way they might have thought, I'm just not going to tell people where I'm from. I'm just, I'm from the Panhandle. I'm from a small town. They didn't really want to identify with where they were actually from. And then you can find in Texas even many cities who actually have a Bible reference name to them. For example, there is a town in Texas named Nazareth. Now, can you imagine being from Nazareth and what that would be like to have that as your identity? We know this was a town that Jesus identified with. And today we're going to see the significance of that because Nazareth is a place that is highly unexpected to be a place that would have any kind of notoriety, would have any kind of value that anybody would actually want to identify with. And this is all part of our series for these next three weeks here at Vertical called Unexpected Jesus. And as you heard Candy mention earlier, 
uh, Jesus does show up in unexpected ways and also in unexpected places in our life. Therefore, it's important for us to be alert and aware and looking for him to show up even in the places that we might least expect. This puts us in a posture of waiting, watching, and being on alert. I know that's what you're here for this morning, to be in a spot where you can say, Jesus, I, I, I want to hear from you, and I want to see you, and because I know you move in ways that are different than my ways, I will watch for you, I will listen for you to work and speak, even in the unexpected places, even this morning. So our message today is called, God Chooses Unexpected Places to Do His Greatest Work. Just pardon me for just a moment while I say something to the tech team. That TV is out. Is that something that we can fix? I'm sure it is. Sorry about that. But that's where I read stuff from, read the passages from. So um, I don't want to stare at my notes the entire time. There's your little behind the scenes thing of what's going on here at Vertical. So God does choose the unexpected places to work in our life. And one of the places that we're going to see today is a town named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is one of those places that you might not think too highly of. In fact, it's a significant part of the gospel story. It's a significant part of the Christmas story. I know normally we think of Bethlehem as the town associated with the Christmas story, and it has a role, it has a part that it plays. But Nazareth actually shows up in the text before Bethlehem does. So if we were reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we would find this. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Because Nazareth is where Joseph and Mary are living and not living together. And here in this very small town, the angel Gabriel is sent. Now, Nazareth is not a town known for its great wealth. It's not known for its industry. It's not known as a tourist destination. It doesn't have uh, a major roadway through it. It probably didn't even have any paved roads in it. There was no synagogue. There was only about 200 people. A town of about 200 people. That is fewer people than will be here on campus today. Almost half of what will be here on campus today. That is a very small town. You talk about everybody knew everybody, they did in Nazareth. The people were very poor, mostly day laborers. They didn't have houses. If anything, they might have had a tent, but history tells us that they probably lived in caves in the area. Very poor, unpopular city. Nazareth. But it is here that God would send Gabriel to go and make the announcement to Mary and to Joseph that the fulfillment of all of prophecy was about to take place, that she had been chosen. What men and women of faith had waited for decades and longer was all being fulfilled in this very small town. Of Nazareth. Now, we know from Scripture that it was not a popular town because later when Jesus 
is begin to call disciples, that we find that Nathaniel says this, that Nathaniel said to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That town, that small town, that no-name town, that frog knot, that nameless, that little town, that ovilla, that can't be anything. It's too small, it's too backwards, it's too unknown, they're too poor. There's no reason that God should do anything great in a town called Nazareth. Now, doesn't that give you just a little bit of hope that on the days that you and I think, I don't know that God could use me. I don't know that God could speak to me. I don't know that God could do anything significant in my life. We can know. No, God loves to do the unexpected. God loves to choose what is often least expected and do his greatest work. A couple of points this morning. I hope you'll write these down. Feel free to take your phone out. Take a picture of the screen if you like. Here's our first really big truth this morning. It's important for us to take in. That God speaks life, hope, and promise into unexpected places. That's our first big point this morning. I think we've got that for the screen here today. Yeah? Are we good? There it is. Sorry for the technical issues today. The back screen is saying something different than the front screen. We're going to get there, though. Aren't you glad, though, that God speaks to the unexpected places and does the unexpected in our life? It's pretty amazing that Gabriel would be sent. The Bible only mentions Gabriel four times. The angel that has been in the presence of God. The angel that is sent to Mary to give her the announcement. And he goes to one of the most backward, unknown, poverty-ridden towns, Nazareth, to make this announcement. Now, this is not the only reference to Nazareth in the New Testament. We find other references because what's going to happen is Jesus will be born. And then... Mary and Joseph will be warned that they need to leave Bethlehem. They will travel into Egypt and they will go back. But then the Bible says that afterwards, the place that they go to, to raise Jesus for him to live his early years and later years of his life is going to be Nazareth. In Matthew 2.23 it says, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. So from his early years all the way to age 30, Jesus will make his hometown in Nazareth. He could have chosen a lot of cities. He could have chosen a lot of places that he would go to. His family could have gone a lot of different places. But the one that they go to is Nazareth. This will be the town where Jesus will learn to walk, where Jesus will learn to talk, where Jesus will ultimately learn his father's trade, where Jesus will hear the stories of the faith, where Jesus will learn the law, well, Jesus will know his family, carry out family traditions, where Jesus will develop his love for his parents, where Jesus will grow from a little boy to a young man and to a full-grown man. It will all happen in the town of Nazareth. Now, what's fascinating is that in this town, this would be the place that God would prepare him for the greater things that were coming. It would all happen in Nazareth. In fact, there's another mention 
when Jesus was 12 years old, it's kind of one of the only stories we have in scripture of uh, his kind of preteen years in that whole segment of adolescence. They say they go, they go into um, to Jerusalem and there Jesus drifts away from his parents and they find him teaching and talking in the synagogue. And there his parents go back and they find him and they're terrified. Where have you been? How could you, how could you not be with us? What have you done? And Jesus said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? And afterwards it says that Mary thought about all of this. But then the text tells us that they went back to their town of Nazareth and Jesus stayed in submission to them in that place. So here in Nazareth, he is going to learn what it means to be part of family. It's here he's going to learn to obey and keep the law. It's here he's going to learn how to communicate. It's here he's going to learn and be prepared for all that awaits him at age 30. Which reminds me and tells us all that God will use the unexpected places in our life to prepare us for the greater things that are ahead. In every one of our lives, there are things that God has yet to do. Things different than we might think. Greater than we might think. And God has you and I in places right now where he is preparing us for that. And preparation sometimes can be a painful process. Preparation can sometimes be difficult, not what we thought. It can be unexpected. But in those places, the unexpected places, God is preparing us. This was happening for Jesus in Nazareth. And it's happening for you and I right now. It's happening in that job you may not be happy with. It's happening in those circumstances that you didn't necessarily plan for. It's happening in that decision that was made for you. It's happening as he is growing your faith. And that's why it's important to not ever neglect or reject the unexpected places in our life. Because Jesus meets us right there in the unexpected to prepare us for what is ahead. Amen? This is our God who works in unexpected places. Now, that's not all the Bible says about Nazareth. There's a very interesting reference that as we continue on in the, in the Gospels to where Jesus walks into a situation and there's a, there's a man there who is possessed by an evil spirit. We find this happening often for Jesus And when Jesus begins a conversation with this man who is possessed by an evil spirit, the evil spirit will respond to Jesus. And I want you to look at what he says in Mark 1, 24. He said, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Interesting. If you've been around the faith for a while, you've probably heard this phrase, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. But now that you know more about what it is, it's staggering to think Jesus would go about his life and be known as coming from Nazareth, being a part of a place that was completely unexpected, being from a place that no one would have thought 
has any value or worth. And here, an evil spirit even recognizes, you are Jesus of Nazareth. Now, why would an evil spirit have that kind of reference? Why wouldn't he say, Jesus, Son of God, Jesus, the Holy One? Evil spirits know that there's power when you see where someone has come from. Because if you and I identify with Christ, even though we have come out of places of great failure and pain and loss, and we say, I once was rejected, but now I am accepted. I once was a failure, but now I have been forgiven. I once was all alone, but now I am part of God's family. Now all of a sudden, when you speak and you live in that, you have authority and you have Jesus' confidence and the spirits in the evil realm recognize you because they know where you've come from. That's why it's important to allow Jesus to meet us where we are, deliver us from where we've been, and move on to all that he has for us. Because then you and I gain confidence, we gain freedom, but we also gain the power to speak and overcome temptation. And here, these evil spirits recognize Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth. You and I should be known for what we used to be. Oh, that's Brian. He was the guy who used to be filled with fear and panic and guilt. He's not that anymore. He knows he has been forgiven, accepted, and called now. And all of a sudden, you have power in Christ. Oh, that's that person who used to walk in shame and regret and insecurity. Oh, but that's not them anymore. They now walk in the forgiveness and the freedom and the power of knowing Christ. It makes a difference in how you walk. And the spirit realm recognizes that. The powers of darkness knew Jesus had come from unexpected place. And they will know that you have come from an unexpected place if you're walking in that same power in your life. But this is not the only reference to Nazareth in the New Testament. Jesus was often referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, and he never shied away from it. He never pulled back. He never corrected anyone. He never said, oh, I'm not from that town. He quickly identified with it. Now, as you move forward in the story toward the cross, you find Jesus arrested falsely accused, falsely arrested, falsely beaten, placed on a cross. And the Bible tells us in the Gospels that a sign was made to go on the cross, placed over his head. And Luke writes in his Gospel a definition, or not a definition, a description of what was on that sign Different than the other gospel writers, but Luke was that way. Luke was a doctor. Luke was more descriptive. Luke put a little bit more into it than the others. And it tells us in, this should be, well, it is John 19, 19. John writes it as well. That Pilate wrote a title, put it on the cross, and the writing was 
Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Isn't that fascinating that on the cross, Jesus would also identify with Nazareth? There could have been a lot of things written about Jesus, but on the cross, he is once again identified as Jesus of Nazareth. Here in his greatest sacrifice, his greatest work, laying down his life, he is unashamed of an unexpected place that he grew up. Not only in his crucifixion, but also in his resurrection do we see the same thing happening. In the book of Acts, when Saul is walking on the road to Damascus and Jesus meets him on the road, it says in Acts 22.8 that as he falls down because of this bright light that Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Here is resurrected Jesus. Here is ascended and come back to meet with Saul, Jesus. And he identifies himself as Jesus of Nazareth. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid. He's not embarrassed of who he might hear say, oh, you're Jesus of Nazareth. Now, it might be in your life today that there are times that you think, I don't know, I'm just too insignificant. I'm too unknown. My past is too messed up. I'm too weak. I'm too broken. I'm not talented. I've sinned too much. I could never be used by God. Child of God. I have a word of hope for you today. You are never too far gone for the goodness and the gospel of Jesus. You are not significant because of who you are. You are significant because of who he says you are and what he has done for you. And if Jesus comes from a place where an angel came to Nazareth to speak to a couple who had not been known by others. And if Jesus can go and from that place he can come, then he can come from where you are. He can speak to your unexpected places just as God spoke into Nazareth. He can prepare you for greater things that are ahead in your life just as he prepared Jesus in Nazareth. He can speak power over the darkness through you if you will allow him to work in your life and he can make you more than a conqueror in Christ today. And if he'll choose to identify on the cross and in the resurrection with being from Nazareth, then here's hope. You might think you are an unexpected place for Jesus to ever show up. You might think you are an unexpected place for God to ever do anything great. You might think you're an unexpected place that could never be used by God. God used Nazareth and he will use you the day you put your faith and you trust in him and you believe him in your life. Amen? It's true. It's what he does. Now, I'm thinking of a passage. I'm going to grab my, my Bible, my actual Bible Bible. I want to read it to you. I know it's in here. I thought it was in here. I'm going to take my wife's Bible. 
Now I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What I love about Heather's Bible is it's really big print. You could probably read it from there, right? I love that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm this, this passage here just stands out as what's important for us today. Because you might think you have come from an unexpected place and you are an unexpected place that God could never use you, that you're too far gone, too broken, too weak, too backwards, too much. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that's us, that not many wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy are called. God's not looking for those who are the most powerful and the most wealthy or the most popular. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You see, God is not about who's most powerful, popular, wealthy, who's most talented, who knows more people, who would be best on God's team to help raise their ratings. No, God is looking for something completely different. He's looking for those who will be humble and who will believe and who will trust. And he will take those who come from unexpected places and use them to do his greatest work. He goes on in the same passage and it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. Don't boast about who you are because you have nothing to offer. Thank you, Ben. You have nothing to bring to the table. It doesn't matter what you think you've done, what you think you are great, or if you think what might disqualify you. Jesus has come. And for those who will believe and trust him, he'll qualify you. He will use you. He will work through you. And he will do far more in your life than you could ever imagine. Don't ever think that you are just an unusable space. You are a powerful space in the hands of God when you put your faith in him and believe him and trust him. I think about it like this church in Ovilla. 
I'm sure if someone else was preaching this message in another part of Texas, they would say, and there's another town called Ovilla. What's an Ovilla? You know, we know what an Ovilla is. It's home to us. And in this little town that may seem insignificant in the grand scheme of things, God has planted this church. It started long before we ever showed up here. It started a very long time ago, hundreds of years ago. And God began a work right here. And it was for a purpose. And the people who have been here since that time never thought, oh, we're going to be a powerful city one day. We're going to be majestic and mighty. No, they just humbly prayed and said, God, we're here to be your servants. Use us to reach the world. And so here we are today in a little town called Ovilla, in a church called Vertical, with about three or 400 people that'll be here today who call this home. And I'm confident that whether, or even if we just had 100 people here, God had a purpose for this place, has a purpose for this place. And you and I should never think of it as too small, too weak, too insignificant, too much of a broken past, no hope for the future. Oh no, God can take the unexpected and do the unbelievable. And I believe that's what's happening here. You see, when we began some eight years ago, there was about 50 people in this room. And God has blessed since then, not just numerically, but he has changed lives. There are people here in this church today whose marriages have been saved and reconciled and restored. There are people who have been set free from addictions and temptation. There are people whose minds have been restored where they once walked in fear and racing thoughts and confusion. And it has happened because there have been a people here who have said, God, we will trust you and we will throw ourselves into your hands to be used by you. We are nothing great in and of ourselves, but you in us make us great. So when Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Some might think, can anything good come out of Ovilla? It can when Jesus is in it. He can change that place. He can put Nazareth on the map. He can put Nazareth in the, in the New Testament multiple times. It can be the place that Jesus identifies with. And it is the place you today that Jesus identifies with. If you put your faith in him, he identifies with you. He's not ashamed to be known by you and with you. He doesn't try to hide you because you're near him when he's with others. He doesn't say, now you get in the back right now so that no one sees you. No, the scripture says he is not ashamed to call us brethren, to bring us right up with him, to stand with us, to stand in support, to stand to redeem, to stand to save, and to stand to use us. So child of God, don't ever think you're too far gone, too weak, too unlovable. The birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus proves he wants to work in your life. And he is more than able and capable and powerful to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let us. 
let us with confidence say, Jesus, I thank you that you chose me. I thank you that you loved me. I thank you that you've called me. I thank you that you want to use me. I thank you that you are at work in me. And devil, you just stand back because the gates of hell will not prevail against this believer and these believers all together here because we have been redeemed, called, and chosen. Watch out. We will go to the ends of the earth to proclaim this gospel. We will go to those we love and share our faith. We will not be silenced by the pressure. We will not be silenced by their canceling fear. We will not be silent at what the world shouts at us today because we have been redeemed by the one who loves us and the one who does the unexpected in us. Amen? Amen. This is our God. So, I hope you'll be back for the next two weeks as we see more about the unexpected way that Jesus shows up and works in our life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that while we were the least expected place that you would ever show up, that while we were undeserving, while we had no reason to ever think that you could love us call us, choose us, and use us. You sent your son to prove that you long for us to come to you, to be healed by you, to be freed by you, and to be used by you. I thank you that we never have to be ashamed of where we've been from because now we've been made one with you. And where we have been ashamed, we now stand confident. Where we've been guilty, we now stand free. Where we've now been fearful, we now stand in power. Thank you for doing the unexpected in us. I thank you for each person that's here. And I pray this hope would fill us this Christmas season. And for us as a church, that so we might stand in the confidence of this, unafraid, unashamed, but boldly ready to declare your word and to go into all the world to make disciples. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we're going to close our service with a baptism. And uh, we have seen a lot of children come to faith that want to declare their faith in baptism lately. And that's true this morning as well. So let me invite Sophie up this morning with her mom and dad. And uh, as we do with all the children here, yeah, y'all give Sophie a hand. <clears throat> as we do with all, y'all come on over. With all the children, when they say they want to be baptized, uh, I meet with them along with Micah, our children's director, and we talk to them so we can understand how they know about their faith and what they know about the faith. And then we quickly talk to mom and dad and, and, and brothers uh, and family to say, okay, have you noticed the difference? Do you see this is true in their life? And that has been true for Sophie. So, yeah, and that sweet face. All right, Megan, talk to us this morning about this moment and, and Sophie. Okay, so Sophie has asked to be baptized for over a year now. Um, so the decision was made and here we are. 
As I have watched her grow, watched her light shine so bright when she speaks of Jesus and his love, it's so clear that not only today, the past year, into the years as well as going forward, she will be the brightest light, not only for myself, but for others who know her or may not, but encounter her. As she walks through life, she will shout the name of Jesus at the rooftops, show you pure love as if he was right next to you and fill the hearts of those who desire him. With all that said, her favorite Bible verse is Matthew 5, 16. And I can see why. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I am so blessed to be your mom and watch what God is going to do with you. You are amazing and I am so proud. Yeah, way to go. Well, Sophie, let's get in the water. Yeah. Yeah, have a seat. Yeah, we talked with Sophie, and she was uh, quick to tell us that she believes in Jesus and wants to live her life to follow him. So, Sophie, I'm excited for you, proud of you, and grateful that God has called you, and you want to follow him with your life. Baptism is a picture of Jesus' death and burial for us and his resurrection for us. It's also a picture of, <clears throat> excuse me, our old life. We are buried with him and raised to walk in new life. We're no longer who we used to be. So Sophie, I'm excited that you trust Jesus with your life. I baptize you today as my sister in Christ. You are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Yeah. 